0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the New Testament, the Book of Romans, chapter 5, reading from verse 20 to chapter 6, verse 4. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So I have to let you in on a secret this morning. I'm not a runner. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was not a track star at any uh, point in my life. Um... I know you would have never guessed that. I know. <laughs> but you should probably know the truth. I was not a track star. At one point in my life, I had a little bit of speed. Um, it was a long time ago. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I made our school's cross-country team. and it was actually like cuts, you had to make it, and so I actually did make the cross-country team. I was like the lower part of that group, just just all honesty here. But I did make the team. And then everything changed. Um, first, I realized running's not that much fun uh, for me. For some of you love it, and that's wonderful. It was not the thing I'm like, man, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of doing this. This is kind of hard work. Um, so I, I guess you could say I wasn't really motivated to stick with that. But the next thing was, was, the, was the, the nail in the coffin for me. So so after sixth grade, I, I started seventh grade and my feet grew. They went from a size 6 to a size 13 in a year. Um, and anyway, it's a, oh, this really dramatic, terrible story that I'll save you all the details of. But the point is, when you, when you get size 13 feet um, and you're like five foot two, you are no longer fast. Whatever speed you did have was gone. It was, it was gone. I remember the doctor going, hey, this, no, this is great news for you because that means you're going to be like 6'3", and if you know... I didn't cut anyway so I got the, the 13 shoe but not the height that I was hoping for so anyway but I lost all my speed at that point point. Um, and so I went from being a soccer forward to a soccer goalie and I went from being a wide receiver to a lineman and things like that right that's what all happens uh, when you when your feet grow like that so anyway I'm telling you all this <laughs> I don't know why exactly but um, no, just <laughs> as a preface to what we're gonna see in our passage for this morning. Um, so just, just so you know, running is not really my expertise or my strong suit, um, and, and I am positive that many of you in here know a, a whole lot more about running and have a whole lot more you know, expertise and experience with it. Um, in fact, our, our author for this morning, many think that he was a runner, Paul. They think he was a runner because he uses running language and marathon kind of language all the time throughout his letters. And so they think he, he probably was, was a distance runner of some kind. He, he had some familiarity with, with that. Um, and so this morning, Paul is going to talk about running. He's going to talk about running a marathon, if you will, uh, he's going to give us this impression of a, of a long-distance run. And so our questions for this morning is, what kind of marathon are we talking about here? Where are we going? Is there a finish line? Are we trying to win? So, so those are the kind of questions we're going to be looking at uh, as we look at our passage this morning. So let's pray together now. Father, we thank you for your word, that it gives us life and truth, that it gives us hope us gives us instructions on on what to do and where to go. Father, would you help us to hear it? Would you help us to know what you have called us to this morning? And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are in Philippians chapter 3. We've been working through this book of Philippians for the last several weeks. And um, we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if if, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I I have to tell you, I'm really excited uh, to get to this part in Philippians. There's there's really some, some cool things. Uh, that, that are about to happen and, and we've we've explored some incredible passages already and we've seen paul give us some some important theology as well as some Beautiful truth about our salvation coming from the righteousness of christ and we saw that last week We don't have our own righteousness. We can't earn any righteousness We can't achieve our own and anything that we do. It's given to us by christ. That's where we are righteous And so then we get to a now what so now what? do we do with this incredible truth if, if 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 that's the case if our righteousness comes from christ then what do we do now what are we supposed to do is that just the end of the story and and we just sit and twiddle our thumbs Paul's, paul has shown us uh how to look like jesus in in the last few weeks and we've we've seen several examples of that we're going to get several more he he'll give a truth and then he'll give an example and then give a truth and and then give an example and and last week paul gave us an example to show us how he was living in response to the gospel he 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 has realized that all of his his old life and his old works and and all the things that he thought were were good things that had earned him god's love he said that was all garbage none of it was worth anything The only thing that brought him God's love was the work of Christ. And so he says, I now realize basically my bank account is full of the righteousness of Jesus. It it was all done on my behalf. It was a gift. He put it all in my account. I didn't earn a cent of it. And so now that he's told us all that, this week he's going to kind of give us an added comment. Like, hey, I want you just to know a little bit more, give you a little more understanding of what to do with that now. And so, so I'm really excited because, um, because this is a cool passage. Um, it's, it's a beautiful passage, too, which we'll see. Um, but but I'm, I'm also excited because this, this passage has a verse in it that I told people for maybe like fifteen years of my life that this was my life passage. So I don't know if anybody ever has had anything like that. But people are, you know, be like, oh this is this is like my verse, right? This is my life verse. The one that, that I, like, I'm I'm living my life based on. Uh, I, I said was in this passage. I don't say that anymore. Uh, but but I'm I, I think that's worth explaining. And so I'm I'm excited to kind of get to do do that. So let's let's kind of uh, get to the beginning of our passage and, and, and start to to kind of see how they're tied to last week. So if you remember last week he said, I count everything as, as rubbish, everything is garbage compared to knowing Christ. Everything is garbage compared to knowing Christ. No amount of money, no amount of, you know, awards or recognition none of that means anything compared to knowing Christ. And he gave us an explanation uh, in verse 10 of, of what he means He says that I may know him And the power of his resurrection And may share his sufferings Becoming like him in his death That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection From the dead And so here we are starting in verse 12 He's going imme- to immediately you know, Build a- a- off of that and say, and say look But I'm not there yet But I'm not there yet I haven't fully done all of this but he says look I'm, I'm pressing on to that I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet but I'm pressing on that's that's where I'm headed and so, and so our, our passage this morning really is him explaining what he is doing uh, with his life to, to know Jesus more what's he doing to know Jesus more to share in his sufferings as he said last week and to become like him in his death so those are the kind of the three things he said these are this is my goal And he says, and now I'm I'm pressing on to those things, to know Christ, to share in his sufferings, and and to share in his death, becoming like him in death and resurrection. And so Paul doesn't want us to get the the impression uh, that he is perfect at all, nor does he want us to get the impression that he is uh, coasting to the finish line, if you will. He's he's not gonna do that. In fact, he's gonna give us kind of the opposite impression uh, of his life, He's going to say, I am pressing on, I'm pressing on to take hold of this goal because Jesus made him his own. Which I I love that phrase and and it's a a good translation of of that Greek phrase. I, I, I want to make this my own because Jesus made me his own. Right? That's, his in, that's the reason. That's, that's, that's what's behind all of it. Jesus has already made me his own, so that's why I'm pressing on to make this faith and all of this my own too. What, what, does he, what does he mean by that? Paul is talking here about completion. He's talking about completion. He's talking about the goal, about the resurrection from the dead. He says, look, I'm not there yet. I'm I'm not at the finish line, if you will, because I'm still alive. So anyone who hasn't died yet, they're not at the finish line. They're not at the finish line. He says, like, I haven't been resurrected yet. And and Jesus made me his own for that very purpose. Jesus made me his own so that I would be resurrected, so that I would know his resurrection. He's, He's made me his own for knowing how to be more like him. For knowing him more and more He's made me his own for eternal life That's what he's saying here And, and so Paul has already told us in other places Look, I'm, I'm ready to die I'm ready to be with Jesus And that's the best thing Boy, I can't wait for that to happen But for now For now, God has me here to live out the gospel And to, to take the gospel everywhere that I can And so we've said, look, if you're alive You have the same mission as Paul Right? I'm ready to go home too, but until God decides to take me home, I'm about his mission. I'm about helping other people know who Jesus is. And so that's the, that's the mindset that Paul has. And, and, and so he's, he's working towards that goal. He's working towards uh, being like Christ in all things. And so he says, look, I've got to live this mindset out and, and to do that is like, is like running the race of a, of, a, of a really long journey. I'm going on a lifelong marathon, if you will. And so I want to just kind of point out three uh, unique parts to this race analogy that, that Paul is going to use here. The, the first thing he says is that focus is important. Focus is important. He he doesn't want us to be distracted. He doesn't want to be distracted himself. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I strain toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a lot of theories about what, um, what Paul is talking about as far as the stuff that's behind. What, what is the stuff he is forgetting that's behind him? Some think he's talking about his old life uh, as a person who, you know, kept the law and tried to be righteous on his own by, by being a good person. Some say, well, he's he just meaning the law. He's he just meaning he's forgetting the, the law behind him. Or, or, or maybe he's forgetting the Judaizers, the guys that are, that are, that are, are living the wrong way with Jesus. Others believe it's the rubbish, right? What he's leaving behind is the rubbish that, that he has already mentioned—the stuff that's 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 foul and gross and, and disgusting that we have no use for in our lives. All that rubbish of good works behind us, and, and in that category of rubbish, um, so this is my theory, by the way. This is kind of what I think he's talking about. He's talking about, I'm, I'm leaving all that rubbish behind, right? He's just kind of categorized all of it as rubbish. He, he's talking about the law-keeping for, to earn righteousness. He's talking about maybe the regret of his old life, the things that he had done, the, the, the years maybe you could say he, he felt like he had wasted in, in living that old way. The sin of not living for Jesus. And I think all of that can apply to us. I think Paul would, would want us to think about all of those different categories as, as we hear him say that. You know, in our own running analogy, stay away from the things that slow you down. Stay, stay away from the things that distract you. And some of those are, 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 are living, living to kind of earn God's love or uh, not living for Jesus. All of those things are the rubbish that are behind that we need to, to, to get away from. Don't dwell on your old mistakes. I think that that's appropriate here to talk about. The, your past is your past. F- run towards Jesus. That, you've got to leave all of that. If you want to really embrace Jesus, that means you have to leave those old things, those old sins. You've got to leave it all behind and run towards Jesus. Get rid of your old way of thinking. Get onto this new thing that is Jesus. The, the second part, I think, uh, of this race analogy that's interesting is, is what we would call the goal. Right? What, what is the goal here? What is Paul running towards? We, we've, we've talked about this already a little bit, but what, there's a finish line that he's focused on. What, what is that finish line? I, I think it's interesting. Paul has already made it clear that, that the destination is not in question. In, in chapters 1 and 2 and already in 3, there's no doubt about the destination for him, meaning he, he's not trying to earn the destination. And, and this is where things can get a little bit confusing. He's not trying to earn that to say, I've got to run this race or else I won't get eternity with Christ like he has already done for me. Paul believes that that's been accomplished on the cross through Jesus. He's already been given the prize. It's already been... been a, awarded to him in that sense. He's just trying to get to the finish line to get it handed to him. He, he wants the consummation, if you will, of what he's already been given. So, uh, it, it, this maybe helps me think about it a little bit. Imagine that you're, you're about to turn 16 and your parents already told you, hey, we've got a car for you. There, there's a car, and as soon as you turn 16, it's yours. It's not just any old car, it's a Ferrari. Right? <laughs> Bad choice for a, a, as a first car, by the way. But you, you, you know it exists. You know it's been purchased for you. You've bragged to all your friends that it's already there. It's sitting in the garage. You just haven't been given the keys yet. That will come. You're just waiting for what you know has already been given to you. Now, it's an imperfect analogy, but it helps me a little bit kind of think about the front, what, what, what Paul is talking about here. I've just got to get there. I've just got to get there, but I know it's already been given to me. So what counts now for Paul is the way that we run. The way that we run. It's not the destination that's been given to us. It's the way that we run. That's what Paul is concerned with. He wants us to run towards this finish line well. He doesn't want us to lay down and take a nap and just go, well, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. He doesn't want us to stumble. He doesn't want us to goof around. He wants us to run toward the finish line. Running as people who are focused on and motivated by Jesus. If you know that that's what's coming for you, why would you not run with all, all that you have toward it? Okay, third thing, Uh, Paul wants us to think about how we are going to get there. He keeps saying things like, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, look, if you're mature, this is the way you ought to think about it. Um, He says, let us hold true to what we have already attained, what we've already attained He recognizes that God is the one who began the good work. Remember, we saw that in in Philippians chapter 1. He's the one who began the good work. And he says, I'm going to be the one, God's going to be the one who's faithful to complete it. God started it. God's going to finish it. How is all of this happening? Through the power of God. This isn't a just be a good person sermon, which I told you I'll, I'll, I'll never preach. And if you hear me preach it, like throw rocks at me or something. You'll never hear me just say, just go be a good person. We don't have it. It's not in us. Paul recognizes the way he's running is not in his own power or in his own strength. It's through Christ Jesus helping him get to the finish line that's already been given to him. It's kind of a unique way to think about it. But but that's what Paul is saying here. We are pursuing God's upward call through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus. That's it. Okay, so I told you a few minutes ago that, that in here was kind of my favorite verse or my life verse or whatever. And, and so for a long time of my life, you would have seen uh, uh, Philippians 3.14 on my bathroom mirror. I had it taped there. I saw it every time I was in there. I had it taped to the dashboard of my truck. So I would get in my car. I'd sit there. It was right there. I always saw it however many times a day. So, so what did that verse mean to me and how did I apply it? Let's look at it one more time. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the call. Press on toward the call. I, I guess you would say back then I really saw this as a, as a verse of perseverance. Perseverance. Right? Not giving up and, and working hard toward a goal. Now, I, let me just say, I don't think it, that was totally wrong. I don't think that was totally, totally off, off the, but I think I had missed the big idea, the big point that, that Paul was making of that verse, which is the goal, of resurrection. This verse is more uh, than just a, a verse about working hard. It's the goal, It's the resurrection. It's about focusing our lives on the the future resurrection promised to us. You see, Paul was tired. He had had lived a lot of life, and and he had lived a lot of his life toward the wrong goal. Toward the wrong goal. But he wasn't looking back on any of that now because he knew the good news of the gospel, and that was all-consuming for him. Uh, the, the finish line of Christ's resurrection drew him and he wanted to be like Jesus. That's the big idea here. And he says, I want, I want to know him. I want to know the, his, I share in his suffering. I want to know the power of his resurrection. All of that. Okay? So the, the main idea isn't perseverance. The main idea is living for the goal. But I did have a little bit of it right. And, and I'll just share that part because I think it's important. There is a press-on piece to this verse. We have to press on not because things are easy, but because things are hard. If things were super easy, Paul wouldn't be saying press on, press on, press on. There there is a, in this pressing on thing, there is a tension of life in in resting in the gospel and, and in living the gospel out. And Christians for centuries, for thousands of years, have struggled. Okay, so if, if, if I can't earn anything and it's been given to me by God through Jesus, then what am I doing and why am I supposed to be working hard? What, how, how does that relationship work? And we would say it's because we know what's been given to us, we live our lives out of thankfulness, right? We, we live a hard life of discipleship out of thankfulness for what's been done for us. But It is hard. It is hard. And so I just will say this is a, a small piece of this 314 verse. It's not the main idea, but it, but it is an important piece I think we should learn. And, and, and so that perseverance thing, I think we see it in, in, in other places better, such as, you know, places like Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 12, for instance, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, um, but it is a piece of this, okay? It is a piece. It's just not the main, the main piece. So let me tell you another piece that I think I got right, uh, in in loving this verse so much when I was younger. See, see, back in chapter one, verse twenty-five, Paul says he wants to see them progress in joy, and in faith. He wants to see progress. Right? Progress means growth, doesn't it? If you're progress, or having progress, you're going forward. If you're progressing, you're moving and improving on something. Not not an earning anything, but striving to know Christ more every day. That's what we're seeing here. And so I can say, if you are alive today, you should be striving, pressing on to have progress in knowing Christ more. That's what Paul's been praying for and hoping for for his people. He wants to see us moving forward. And that's the same that I can tell you tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. We should always be moving forward in knowing Christ. I I used to get a lot of questions from from high school kids, and and, and, and a couple of them were kind of similar at their their root. Um, One of those questions, you know, the different versions of it, but basically something like this. You know, if we're saved by grace and we can't earn anything, then why should we do anything? Can we just be saved and move on with my life? You know, can I just be saved and move on with my life? Just say thank you for the gift and move on? What's the point? Right? That's what we're getting at with that. What's the point? And, and the other question that I used to get a lot that it's different, but I think it's got the same root, if you'll if you'll think about it for a second, it goes, it goes something like this, right? Are we, are we going to just, as we praise God in heaven for eternity, right? Doesn't that sound kind of boring to you? That was the question. That, doesn't that sound kind of boring? Aren't we going to get tired of of like just standing around with harps and wings? And you have heard this question before, right? Like that sounds kind of boring. For eternity? Wow. Okay. The 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 root of both of those questions, I I, I think, is a is a what I would call fatalism in our faith, a fatalism in our own faith. Uh, what's the point kind of thing? What's the point? And, and, and I, I guess the, the best way I can describe a broad answer to those questions is that knowing Christ is way better than you think it is. Um, knowing Christ is way better than you think it is. It, it involves, know, involves knowing Him more and more every day. Striving uh, to, to know Him. If, if you are familiar with uh, C.S. Lewis' The Chronicles of Narnia, uh, you'll, you, you'll pick up where I'm going with this pretty easy because I, I love this and I find it really, really helpful. If, if you've read them, you, you know that at the end of the story, the, end, the whole end of the story, right there at the end of the last battle, right, when Narnia is being renewed, everything that is broken is being fixed, everything that is wrong is being made right this, this land that has had to deal with with the its brokenness is is, is coming alive again and 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 in that they are they're realizing that they're going to get to dwell with Aslan he's he's never been with them he's always just kind of shown up at times and he's never been with them but but they know that that's happening and and so in all of that description of the story if you and if you've read it you know what I'm talking about there's there's this inc- the really cool phrase that happens many times it, it says upward and onward upward and onward and that becomes kind of their chant as they're they're running to be more uh, or to be closer with aslan aslan's running and he says come on upward and onward let's go and, and, and they keep thinking every place they get it this must be the paradise that we've been hearing about this must be the paradise we've been waiting for And they'll get there, and then he'll say, well, upward and onward. And they're like, wait, not here? Okay, here we go. And they just keep moving upward and onward, knowing Aslan more and more, experiencing his goodness and love more and more. New adventures with Aslan always more and more. And So so this is my response to people when, when they ask fatalistic questions like, well, why should we do anything if we've been saved? Or... Isn't heaven going to be super boring, just, you know, praising God forever? Upward and onward. That's what Paul understood in chapter 1. That's what Paul's talking about here. A striving, a pressing on for upward and onward. Striving to know Jesus more and more. Not looking back, focusing on him, being more like him, more and more, upward and onward. And someday, you and I, if we know Christ, we reach that finish line. The finish line that's already ours, it'll just keep going upward and onward. And and, and you're thinking of the song already. When we've been there 10,000 years, upward and onward. We're not going to be tired of praising Him. We'll just be getting a glimpse of taste of knowing Him and praising Him. Upward and onward more and more we'll have just begun always knowing more and more of christ having more adventures and knowing him and living with him and for him and that's what we're doing today as well striving pressing on to know what has already been given to us but we're re- striving to reach that finish line knowing him more and more progressing in our faith more and more Upward and onward. Let's pray. Father, we grow weary. This life is difficult. Faith is difficult. And for so many of us, we can say we are ready to know fully what we've been hoping for. But you've given us today, and so today, God, would you help us Upward and onward. Moving forward always. Forgetting the stuff that's behind. Whether it be the regrets that we have. maybe Whether it be the sins that we've had in our lives. The mistakes that we made. Even this morning. Would you help us to leave them behind? Because that is what you've called us to do. To fix our eyes on Jesus. To know him. We've already been given his salvation in Christ and now we are in the midst of life of suffering and sharing in his sufferings and knowing him more and more and there is an ultimate coming, this resurrection this eternal life that we are so looking forward to help us to move upward and onward to never grow content with where we are to realize that there's more than what we have today. God, give us a yearning to press on, a yearning for more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.